Hello, bonsoir and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm your host Nathan Staples and joining me this week are Eric Devin and Philippe Bargeau. With two games of the season left to go, every game matters and while some teams are dreaming of the European places for next year, some are beginning to hear that trapdoor open underneath them. But before any of that, here are your week's headlines. <clears throat> Ligue 1's 36th match day started on Friday evening and Paris Saint-Germain wasted no time in rebounding from a middling performance in the Coupe de la Ligue final. Thumping Rennes 4-0 behind a brace from Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the loss all but ending Rennes' hopes of a European place. Saturday's early match likewise saw a European contender's hopes dashed as host Nantes defeated Nice thanks to a solitary goal from Adrian Thomason. Les Aiglons now sitting five points behind Monaco and Lyon. The early evening match pitted in-form host Saint-Étienne against Toulouse at the Chaudron, while, and while Leiver stretched their streak of not conceding to six matches, they also failed to break down their opponents, a scoreless draw doing neither side much good. In the multiplex, a Diego Roland brace-powered visiting Bordeaux past Troyes, 4-2, while Bastia's trip to Caen ended in a scoreless draw. There were perhaps a bit more to play for in the other three matches in the multiplex, with European hopefuls and relegation strugglers taking on sides that may have little motivation. Lorient and Gangomp played their parts in allowing Monaco and Lille to keep pace with their fellow contenders, while Montpellier were not so charitable, La Payade winning 3-2 at Reims, courtesy of a of Riyad Boudibouz's three assists. Saturday's late match saw Lyon take on Gazelle Ajaxio and Legon won 2-1 despite some jangling nerves, a result which keeps the team ahead of Monaco on goal difference. With a changed schedule, Sunday saw only one match scheduled and a Dia Marseille won on the road against Angers 1-0, with Lassana Diara returning from injury as a second-half substitute. In Ligue 2, what had been a muddy picture in terms of the third promotion place became much clearer this weekend as Metz's defeat of Dijon, hauling them three points clear of Le Havre, a win in either of their next two matches, will virtually guarantee a return to Ligue 1 for Le Grenier. In off-field news, Mamadou Sahakel has been handed a 30-day suspension by UEFA in the wake of his drug test a bit of news which puts his potential placement in the France squad in doubt. Injury-wise, Leo Sofiane Buffal's season is over due to a knee injury, a disappointing end to the youngster's first full season in the top flight. And that's all your news, but remember, for all the latest in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. Also, Please support the show by subscribing to our YouTube channel where it is streamed live every Monday evening or get your fix through iTunes or on SoundCloud. We start this week with a place that no one wants to be, the relegation places. <clears throat> with time running out and other teams pulling away in recent games, it looks like it will be two from Toulouse, Reims and Gazaleca Jaxio. Philip, who stands the best chance of remaining in Liga next season? 
Um, well, um, when you look at the table, obviously he's the one who's 17 is just on the uh, just on the best chance because uh, it's in their own hands. Uh, I do believe that Marseille is going to play a huge part. Marseille are now safe, uh, which is good news for the club and good news for French football. But Marseille are going to play uh, at home to Reims um, on Saturday. So all the games now, there's only two games left, so all the games now will be on Saturday at 8, 8 o'clock local time. Um, and uh, for, for some reason, I, uh, Marseille haven't won at home for 15 games, uh, just two wins. They've, I believe they've, they've got the worst um, home record, obviously not, uh, not counting uh, Trois. Um, and it, I think it really all depends on, on that one. I can see PSG beating uh, Gazelec next week. Um, even though they are already champions, but we saw what uh, what they did to uh, to run in the second half, and I think you know most most of the players are are professionals and will want to finish the season on the, on an ultimate high. Page are still in the race to finish uh, with the most uh, points total um, ever. So uh, I, I believe Marseille is going to be the key there. Will they beat Reims? That will be a great, uh, great boost for Toulouse if they do, because Toulouse are going to play at home to Troyes. But then the last match they're going to Angers, so I'm still thinking Toulouse. And I still, I st actually, I still wish. I know we're, we're supposed to be impartial. I still wish Toulouse because they're coming from uh, deep, deep down. When Arribaje was a manager, I think all three of us agreed that they were going to go down, and uh, they're staying with a chance. Um, but for that to happen, they need to beat Troyes, which I think they will. Uh, not uh, not to worry about that. Um, but then there's a, it's that game at Angers. You know, I, I still still feel like it's not it's really not an easy place to go to. Um, could be could be a draw, and the draw may not be enough. Um, maybe Gazelec will pull out some uh, unbelievable surprise against PSG. Just um, I, I'm I'm still gonna go I'm still gonna go uh, Toulouse, but it's more. Uh, Heart and head, if you will. Eric, it's it's going to be a tough one for all three, really. With no game at this stage of the season is is easy to predict. Who do you fancy staying up? Uh, I like Gazlik. Uh, they've really impressed me uh, the most, and they've had an, sort of an up and down season under Thierry Lurie. But the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of veteran players on this team. Uh, in the forward line, you look at the likes of Larbi, Pujol, Butaib. These are players who are experienced campaigners, are going to want another season in Liga. Uh, you know, not only for their for their salaries, but for but for the prestige that brings and and the way they they'll face adulation. Um, in in this part of Corsica, where where football is very much an important part of the way of life. Um, but not only the attackers, but the defense as well. Uh, Roderick Felipe has been really outstanding this season. Uh, he's great. Against Leon, I was I was really impressed with him. Uh, Kader Manjan had been totally in the wilderness in Turkey after you know being an important part of Rennes' teams earlier in the decade. He seems to still have what it takes. He's had a good season, um, and they've had some they've had some issues with discipline and, and some bad luck. But uh, to, for me, if they can get a point against PSG, they've got Lorient on the final match day. Uh, you know, Lorient are sort of in free fall. They're they're in 16th. You know, have just not really been. At the races after a good start to the season, uh, I, I still got to favor Gazelec, uh, just not only because of the position that they're already in, but I think that they've got the the willpower and and the drive to to do that. Uh, the other teams, you know, Toulouse, I agree with you, Philip. They've shown a lot of fight under Dupra. They really tested mm -hmm. Ruffier. Uh, 
on Saturday, but the fix the fixtures are there again in their favor as well as compared to their two teams. Uh, but I think the deficit is just too much at this point to make up four points and the goal difference uh, with just two matches remaining is is means they're going to have to win both matches and hopefully their teams. Uh, they, they, they do have the better goal difference, though. That's a huge advantage. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Uh, but that, that, yeah, I think I think that's a, that's a key point because I I do I do believe that it could it could be a case of two sides finishing on equal points or even three sides finishing on equal amount of points like 38 or something, 38, 39, uh, which is you know quite high for for the you know actually it's quite it's quite normal, uh, but still in and around 40. And if this, if this is the case, I mean. I don't see Toulouse actually losing uh, any of their two remaining games, um, so it would mean it would mean um, something something big to big to happen. Um, but uh, I think it'll come down to this kind of wire. It'll be yeah. It'll be uh, to goal difference and maybe a goal. Like uh, Toulouse may stay up uh, thanks to a minus 11 goal difference compared to a minus 30 and minus 14 from Gazelle Corrance. Yeah, the the thing I wanted to say is that if I had been asked this question before Saturday, uh, I would have said Reims. Uh, going to, going or hosting mm. Montpellier seemed like a, a decent match, but yeah. I, I just I just don't see where this club are at. The sacking of Gagon is just mm. baffling. Uh, you know, this new manager comes in, he totally changes the tactical system, uh, goes back to a four-man defense, but plays Mondi on the left of it, and I, I don't know if, if either of you watched the match, but just watching the extended highlights, I mean, Mondi, who's you know been a really reliable player for Rams over the last four seasons, had a, has a shocker uh, playing in a position that he's not used to. You could argue that Congre's goal and and the winner uh, were both his fault. He just just really getting done. Sanson's goal that is the last one. Uh, he starts Hugo Rodriguez, who's been you know nowhere this season in two consecutive matches. Um, at, at, you know, at the expense of, of other players who've been getting it done, like of Antoine DeVoe, for example. I just don't understand, you know, this manager uh, coming in and just, just, you know, has this, this incredible ego uh, to, to shake up, you know, shake this up. I mean, you know, again, you know, Gagan, I wouldn't say he lost the dressing room. He, he fashioned some fine results, uh, particularly at the beginning of the year. And, you know, now you've got Guillaume coming in and, and trying to make a name for himself, and it's... It's just really frustrating to to see someone do this uh, to try and you know you know advance their own career, career as a manager. You know if you keep running us up, you know great. Uh, but to think that you've got to you've got to have an entire shakeup at this point in the season, three four matches to play, uh, I, I think is just really a letdown. Because I think for me, Rennes, based on the course of the season, the talent they have, should be the team staying up amongst these three. And I think that the club have really made a mistake in in, in letting Gagon go. I I, I, I couldn't agree more because I'm not quite even quite sure why what happened to see Reims in this precarious um, position. And I completely agree also with the fact that on paper, um, I'm not going to play devil's advocate here, saying that had Reims kept Gagon, they probably they would have been Montpellier. But this this looks like a banker home win. And uh, Montpellier, not not going to say that their season is over, but uh, all they wanted to do was not go down. They've achieved that. Well done to them. But um, it's uh, you, you would have thought Reims would have been more up for it, and they weren't. And now they have to play Marseille and Lyon, which uh, you know Marseille doesn't look such a daunting uh, proposition now. But uh, I, I I cannot see them doing anything against Lyon, especially with this whole mess 
really because it's a like like Eric said it's a change of change of manager change of philosophy change of formation uh, change of personnel as well putting putting round pegs in square holes uh, if yeah I haven't really um, uh, touched touched upon that but to me I sat down due to the the fixture list but again it all depends on Marseille but I don't think Reims would uh, I, I think I think they're, they're gone that's uh, the, yeah. uh, it's, it's the disappointing. Latest. They've got a lot of really good players. Yeah, like and Charbonnier. I thought he's pretty good. Diego, Diego is pretty good. Uh, going forward, I mean, I as uh, on the occasion I saw them, they they were quite quite good uh, at the back end going forward. So it's yeah, it is a real shame. And plus, when 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 you know the the area, so the Champagne area, um, you've got this this club is is really not. Um, there's not much uh, around it, and uh, last season the uh, the chairman said, you know, we have to save the Reims soldier. You know, you have to. It has to stay in Ligue 1 because it's a historical club and all that. And now I think relegation has uh, has come almost a bit too fast for them because they could see it coming last season, but this season they thought, okay, well, we're not, you know, we're not we're not mid-table, but uh, you know, we're not uh, we're not completely struggling either, and. Uh, I I think they they thought they were they were safe by by March, but then the results weren't coming in, and you know they they've only got 36 points, and I can't can't really see them getting 40, unfortunately. I mean, it does it does pay me to, to it would pay me also to see Hans go down. Yeah, and it's looking at looking at previous results and and recent form for for Stade de Reims, the the what I'm seeing the manager's name it's a uh, David Guillon who's come in. Um, I don't understand what he's trying to do in the game against Montpellier. I mean, in the last 14 games, the team have only managed to not score on four occasions. Mm. And he completely changes the style of play and changes the players they're playing with. I mean, yes, Gaetan Chambonnier and Nicolas de Preville are the, are the starting two forwards, but they also have Bifuma usually with them. Adding Hugo Rodriguez, that made no sense. So he brings on someone like Grejean Kie, who will be better starting, who's been exciting when he's played. I know injuries have cost him reasonable parts of the season. But the str- it wasn't going forward that the issue was. It was going back, and he takes out possibly his best defender, like you mentioned, Eric, in Asiamondi, and plays him at left-back. And well, he does the left have- of the two centre-backs. Yeah, and he-, he does have a bit of a shocker, doesn't he? Um I don't understand what they tried to do, especially this is a game they needed to win, knowing the other games that were coming up. I mean, mm-hmm. Marseille are in awful form, but let's be honest, you don't really want to be going to the Velodrome and wanting a win, and they've picked up plenty of draws there, so that's not an And then the final day at Olympic Lyonnais, you don't want that either, because they're heading for Champions League football. It's not the ideal game to try and get a result, but talking back again about Toulouse, uh, Eric... They've got a good set of games really against Angers and Troyes, but have they maybe left it a little bit too late? I think so. If if they had broken through against Saint Etienne and they threatened to, I think they they looked fantastic. They deserved to uh, win, didn't they? I mean, yeah, I I, I agree. Um, yeah. I think they I think they I think I would have put them in good stead, but again, four points to hope that that both of their opponents, you know. Don't get any any any. Don't get more than a point. 
it's just is this too much to ask? I I feel like I feel that there's a win there, uh, especially with guys like uh, traveling to Lorient on that last match day of the season. I think that's what it's going to come down to. If guys like win that, they're that that forces Toulouse to win both of their last two matches, and I I just don't don't see that happening, unfortunately. No, and and Gazelik, oh, oh, it would have been even even com- more complicated situation if they managed to grab a point against Lyon when they were really in the ascendancy in the second half. I mean, the introduction of Pujol in that second half really transformed them and made them really dangerous. And Lyon sat on their laurels a little bit, I felt, and and switched off a little, and it and it allowed Gazelik into it. And and Philip, yeah, it was a really good performance, and it might be a difficult thing to say, but. Should they go all guns blazing against PSG at the weekend? They've got they've got nothing to lose in that one, surely. Oh yes, definitely. Uh, I don't think it would uh, it would make much uh, much much difference, uh, sadly. But uh, I do I do believe that they have to give it everything. Um, I'm not quite sure what the um, what the best tactic would be um, because you've had uh, a couple of these games last season where uh, the team was defending uh, quite well and going. Uh, not too badly on the break, but you know, PSG are now champions, and uh, uh, a draw is not the worst result in the world uh, at uh, at Gazelec at this moment in time. Uh, and by that, I mean what, because the title is already in the bag, um, and it would mean 90 points and and so on. Um, but yes, I do I do believe they should uh, they should go all for it. Um, but uh, knowing you know the uh, um, culture of uh, of this type of club, uh, it'll be uh, it'll be well, we'll be happy with anything, basically. Mm. Well, but I do, I, I don't, uh, I'm actually quite uh, quite hopeful that they'll 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 give uh, give it a good go. Hopefully, it's a, it's a strange one as well because, like we've mentioned, that Toulouse's goal difference is so good, and if they do get two wins, a point against Paris Saint Germain might be gold dust to Ajaxio heading to Lorient in that final game where Lorient seemed to have fallen off a wagon a little bit. But Eric, we've said that before that Reims are doomed last season and we were made to eat our words. Is there is there any glimmer of hope in these last two games? I, I really, I really don't... Well, okay. If they, they, I can see them beating Marseille, but the fact of the matter is, if Lyon fail to beat Monaco on Saturday... Then Leon will need to win on the on the following weekend on the week on the 14th to clinch second uh, because Monaco's result uh, if Monaco better their result then Leon will slip to third etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, and that's what worries me um, so Rams have to play their hearts out beat Marseille and you know at the same time you know have someone on the bench checking their phone looking at the Leon score. And hoping that uh, that Leon can can hold off Monaco and and, and win that match, uh, and then you know then maybe they've got a chance. Then you know then maybe you know Leon would be essentially four points ahead of Monaco at that point, and would be tempted to put their feet up a little bit on that last match. Uh, if that if that happens, then the Rams do have the the smallest of chances. But again, they're going to need you know they're going to need uh, Gazelec to to stumble. Uh, as well to have that happen. It's it's a lot of ifs and buts, and I, the bottom line is I, I still favor Gazelik, uh in this run, and given that they're already uh, in 17th and, and have a good opportunity against Lorient in the final match. That's a good point because if Lyon do beat Monaco, they're basically second assured. So we'll go in the final game with nothing to play for. 
because they've already gained it because they're a vastly superior goal difference. Mm. I will say one thing. Uh, it, it is quite a big game. <laughs> I, I will, I'll say one thing, especially for the neutral. I've just seen that if, if Toulouse win, Rance draw, and Gazalek lose at the weekend, they will all be on 37 points heading into that final match day. And Toulouse will be 17th. Yes. So mm. <laughs> that, that could really, really set up a cracking final day, which is exactly. To be honest, I can see all three, all those three results you you just you just said. I, I can actually see those results happening. I can see Piaget beating Gazelec. I can see the draw between Marseille and Reims because Marseille want to you know salvage what can be salvaged um, before a new owner comes in. And to me, Toulouse have if they don't beat Trois, they're basically down anyway. So I I, I can actually see that happening, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and, and that that Saturday, like you've already mentioned, Eric, that 14th of May, God, that'll be that'll be a terrific afternoon if they're all on the same same amount of points, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's it'll be a, a, a nervy nervy set of a jangling set of nerves across France. Yeah, and there's something we would love to see, but muddying those waters annoyingly slightly is um <laughs> that, that relegation fight is the fact that. In the news of SC Bastien may be relegated due to uh, financial issues. The club made an arrangement, uh, sorry, an agreement with the DNCG back in January about meeting certain budgetary targets, and are in serious danger of missing them. With the club owning owing about 15 million euros to various different parties, the club have released a recent statement to quell those fears that they are in significant trouble. But Philip, how bad would it be if they are relegated because of those reasons? Mm. It's a big, um, it's a big if. Um, first of all, I, I'd just like to uh, point out a couple of things. I don't, uh, I don't recall uh, the DNCG, so basically the uh, policeman of uh, finance, of football finances, of league as finances, who uh, is uh, basically terrifying every single, every smallish club like Bastia, um, and who has the power to actually relegate or actually deny promotion. I don't, I don't remember the DNCG uh, actually relegating someone in June and just saying, okay, you got your safety on the pitch, but we're still going to relegate you because you owe such and such uh, supplier or something um, a couple of millions. Trois almost went down that road because they, but they did the sale Corentin-Jeans uh, to Monaco, so it was they were fine. Loss really um, dodged a bullet with it. The thing that happened last season was in Ligue 2, where Nîmes were supposed to be docked eight points at the end of last season, but instead they got docked those eight points at the beginning of this season, which means they, they started on minus eight, and they did a wonderful job of uh, staying up, and they actually were, yeah, they, they were quite really, really good um, not to not to go down. So first of all, I do not see the DNCG relegating Bastia in, in June, because I'm sure uh, they'll find a certain way. Why will they find a certain way is that they, Bastia owe 15 million. Of those 15 million, there's 3 million to suppliers, various suppliers, there's the, the article on Le Parisien or l'équipe, doesn't say who it is, but 12 million of those 15 millions is in taxes. And usually what uh, what, what happened in those in those situations, I can actually, you know, uh, Say this because it's uh, I do actually work in this in this area uh, of um, this line of in this line of business is that you can you can ask for your uh, tax debt to be um, to pay in installments 
So basically, those 12 millions will be said, okay, we're going to pay you in such and such date. Um, and uh, the uh, basically, the state will say, okay, because uh, all they want to do is to get their money. I mean, you know, companies don't go companies don't go bust because they don't pay taxes in France. Otherwise, you know, there wouldn't be any companies. Um, they go they go bust because they don't make any money. So, for all those reasons, I do not think Bastion will go down. And uh, you know, I really hope not because it's so terribly unfair. It's it's by enough so that the NCG, uh have the power to um, uh, have the power to uh, forbid if you will, uh, a club to go up, but that they can they have the actual power for a club to say, okay, you're dropping a division because your your management of the club is not good enough. I think that's absolutely shocking. They got they got the they got the um, they got survival on the pitch and they should stay in Liga, which I think they will. Eric, what are your thoughts on the matter? If if Bastia don't manage to pay those debts, do you think it would be right for the DNCG to relegate them to Ligue 2? Uh, I know. I agree with Philip. I, th I think that a points penalty makes a lot more sense. Uh, I, I think that this club, you know, were they to go down, I don't think it'd be a big deal. They're a veteran team, and they've been there before. Most of them, they can they can come back up easily enough. Uh, you know, particularly particularly with the teams that are going to be in the uh, early day next year. I think that there will there'll be a paucity of bigger teams in the day that they can come back up. But beyond that, you know. It's 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 tough to penalize players, you know, who who've no who've no business doing this. Uh, in terms in sporting terms, because of what's ha what's happened um, in some offices, and if this is the case, as Philip says, you know, that it is taxes that you know. I'm sure a, I'm sure a plan can be worked out. Uh, you know, surely the DNCG can can see the importance of this team uh, to the city of Ashton and to the island of Corsica there. They've been sort of the Liga mainstay of the island. You know, Gazelec and uh, the other Ajaccio club have, have been in and out of Liga in recent past, but Bast has sort of been the mainstay, if you will, even though they have been in Ligue 2 recently. And it, it's a, it's, it would be very important to, to keep the club there, you know, perhaps with the points penalty. Uh, I'm not sure what Nîmes' financial situation were was in terms of uh, the, what led to their points deduction, but... Something, something along those lines, and, and and see what the team can do. It may, again, it may end up in a in a relegation uh, at the end of next season. But uh, were that to be the case, Bastia have always shown a lot of character on the pitch, and I don't, I don't think it'd be any any huge issue for them. It's also very important for Corsican football, and you you see all all this all the all this mess that uh, represents the DNCG because. Um, usually, when you have when you have the relegated and the promoted, you can start planning the season, the years, the season ahead, and you've got the fixture list. As a fixture list, you've got all the running costs of being in Liga and not in Ligue 2. And this goes the same as down the lower leagues, because you've got a huge amount of difference between of revenue first of all between Liga and Ligue 2, and even bigger one between Ligue 2 and National, because you have to be um, you have to have the infrastructure, you have to have the right stadium, you have to you have to have your basically your house cleaned up. By uh, all the authorities that don't really know who they are, but you know they they do exist and uh, and uh, they do a, a pretty thorough uh, you know inspection um, and um, yeah it would be it, it's it's just uh, it, it's just a mess it's just a mess we we have we only know who is going to play in national I would say beginning of August because nobody knows you know what what the hell's going on in the NCG. Has no idea what's uh, what's happening. I think I think once one particular season, National had 19 teams. 
because one of them could not play or did not want to. It was too expensive. It's just yeah, it's just a mess. And uh, this is why this is why I'm sorry, but if if you got relegating promoter on the pitch, you just go yeah. Then then the next year you go you you go you go bankrupt. You do a Le Mans or Grenoble or stuff like that, and then you come back. But it really shouldn't be that strict. That's that's fans for you. No, and that's something that needs to be sorted out. But I think what might that worry, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, the thing that what will worry Ligue 1 fans and, and Bastia fans especially is is the likes of last season. I know it was obviously in a different country, but Elche in Spain, they were perfectly safe on the on the on the pitch. And yes, it was a, possibly a different financial statement. I'm not saying that. Both of them are in the same situation, but they were relegated because of their financial woes rather than what they could do on the pitch. But um, in a different side to this, with that news coming out, I know it might be strange to say, Philip, but might that incentivize some teams to finish third from bottom? No. <laughs> no, just, no, I just can't see it. You can't. You can't just gamble uh, on the uh, on. You know, uh, on with, on on some 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 finances. I mean, it's it really is. It really has never happened in the history in 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 recent because I, I do I do know that back in in the very very old days, uh, back when France French football was was uh, actually being uh, played uh, in a professional manner, taking uh, taking um, uh, English football as as role models. This, this was when northern northern uh, football in in northern France was much much bigger than basically anywhere else because of the British um, element uh, to all that. Um, I don't think it's it's happened uh, since uh, the early 90s or maybe the late 80s. And uh, I, once once again, I just don't I just don't see it. And if you ask any manager, if you ask this, uh, there's a new there's a new manager at Arras, If you ask Dupont, if you ask uh, the the uh, Gazette manager, I just say no. We we must finish 17s because I'm sure everyone's pretty certain that, that that's not going to happen. You don't you don't just get um, just don't just get uh, some uh, some help from destiny. It has ha it has happened in National though. It has happened, but uh, to t for it to happen in Liga would be yeah uh, a first. And uh, frankly. I don't think uh, I don't think the clubs that finish with eight teams would be. I mean, they, they'd be happy to to, to to keep to to keep being in Liga, but uh, I just yeah, I just don't see it. I just don't see the the, the teams that have that added incentive to say, hey, yeah, guess what? We finished 18th. Great. No. We might we might just stay up. <laughs> yeah, well, no, they have to wait. Uh, they'll have to wait June. Nothing, nothing will be decided before June anyway. So, you know, might as well finish 17th. <laughs> Just to bookend this as well, we, you mentioned there, Philip, earlier that there's been issues before with the likes of Trois needing to sell Quentin Jean and, and yeah. Lens had a few issues when they come up. Lens never should have been promoted, actually. Uh, it, it, has, it has been proved um, and uh, by very terrible finances. And uh, and I, uh, again, I think it's unfair and I think it's great that they've, they got promoted. Um, but um, usually, when the DNCG says no, it's because there's a, a very valid reason. But sorry, go on. Yeah, oh, my question would be to Eric: What what needs to change within French football to to stop this kind of thing from happening? Is it a mismanagement of clubs, or is it something a deeper issue of league money or overpayments? What needs to change? 
What needs to change? I mean, the easy answer is that is that Ligue 1 is 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 is, is has become quote unquote a selling league, uh, and that I think a lot of these players, even with the money that the Premier League is is giving players, is that is is giving to these clubs for some of these players that are going abroad and, and other leagues too. I mean, if we look at the likes of Daniel Vasco and the Celta Vigo, for example. Um, there's the fact that there's this this constant turnover and churn means a lot of, means a lot of these players that are being sold, uh, I feel are being are being undervalued, and that that the French clubs should perhaps be a little bit more firm in in holding on to players and 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 really ringing a bit more uh, from from the, from uh, the clubs that are that are after their, these, these their other players you know be it Spanish clubs or English clubs or Italian clubs or what have you. Uh, you look at some of the fees that are being played for be, that are being paid uh, for players that are that are really key. And it, well, it's good that you know you don't see clubs plummeting down the, down the divisions uh, by and large. It, it's still a frustrating situation. I mean, look at the likes of Montpellier, for example, having to sell uh, you know the likes of Alcatrari and uh, the wide player that they sold to Bologna or Genoa. Belanda? No. Well, Belanda is a good example too. I mean, just the, yeah. the, the fees that, that these these players are getting, that these clubs are aren't getting, uh, is is really frustrating. I, and I I feel that you know rather than having such a focus on youth and in the in the league, which is exciting and it's good to see these young these young players coming through, uh, there's still a problem. I think surrounding the valuation that, that are placed on these players, and that they're they're being held over a barrel. So I think there needs and being forced to sell. So I think there needs to be more of an active conversation between the DNCG and and clubs as regards the financial realities of being being able to retain and sell players. Because if there's this constant churn of players, the league as a whole is unable to maintain a, a decent level of success in Europe. And we've seen that, for example, with the likes of Leon being forced to sell all these players. Again, part of that was to build the Stade Lumiere. But, you know, Lille, Lille in the same way, I mean, again, look at the turnover from that team that, that won the championship and, uh, you know, was in, was, in the, was in the Champions League. I, mean, I think Rio Mavuba is the only player left uh, from that squad, and that was only four years ago. Uh, so that's the kind of things that I think there needs to be more realistic expectations upon the part of the DNCG, especially if they're clubs that are that are more traditionally powerful or bigger. There just needs to be a more open conversation and and to have to have this to have situations that maintain financial viability, but also at the same time allow the allow the teams to operate in in, in a way that makes them uh, competitive. Uh, pardon me, throughout. Throughout the season, and, well, sorry, well, Anthony Mounier was the player I was thinking of, by the way. Oh, oh yes, yes, it was. Yeah. Well, what I really find annoying is that um, it, it's not—it's not like all these players are going to great leagues. Um, I mean, no offense to uh, the Chinese leagues, the Qatari league, or or what have you. Um, but uh, you've you've had some some very good players making extremely cha uh, strange choices, and I'm convinced that the club, the, the selling club, when they see that kind of money, they say. Okay, we don't really care about the development of the player. We just need the money. It doesn't. I mean, it, they, they don't. It's not like they they care about the the player's de development. And you know, on 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 some level, why should they? Because he is not going to be to be at the club anymore. But I really do believe that the club, the, the players, are not are not advised very well to 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 go in 
in leagues that are inferior to Liga, which is which is a shame because uh, yeah. Uh, I think, so I what's, think what are the players? It's not the players' motivation. If the club has very very few sellable assets, and again, mm. Montpellier is a great example of this. Uh, what what are their choices? I mean, you know, they they bring in Budaboos, and oh shoot, now they need to balance their books. So let's sell an important let's sell an important defender. Uh, let's sell an important wide player. Again, you know, Mounier isn't a world beater, but he was a really important player for was, uh, for yeah. Montpellier last season. Uh, and you know, to be sold so close to the deadline to you know a middling Italian team, it it, it shows the the really it shows the pressures that the Dan Sage are putting on clubs. And you know, I think that needs to be sorted a little bit more. That the fact that that a club is—I mean, I don't know what he was sold for. It was two million, maybe. It was really not a lot of not a lot of money. I mean, he's a Peanuts. he's a decent player, but the fact that that relatively small amount of money uh, is a make or break amount. But there should be some way that 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 things can be ameliorated a little bit more in terms of balancing the books for these clubs to make things a little bit easier on them to you know to build a cohesive teams. And uh, to maintain a, a level of success. Plus, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't really see, see Italy as being a uh, uh, superior league to league on a financial basis. I don't think absolutely the TV not. Is, I mean, look yes, at this I, I don't think the players are much more paid than they are in France. So yes, this choice is baffling. But and but you do you do get you you do get these players who really want this uh, foreign experience. We do want to go to go to England to the English lower leagues because, uh, the, uh, for, for instance, the second division pays better uh, than uh, than uh, most uh, most league clubs, etc., etc. So, so you get this kind of uh, curiosity, which you probably don't have in the in the Premiership, and which is which is quite good. Uh, but uh, the the exodus is just not going to stop uh, if uh, if there's a, uh, not a more flexible approach. To uh, how a football club is run, um, because now it's pretty much a company. It is a company. Yeah, it is a. It's a very complicated matter, and I think Eric made a very, very good point that essentially cooperation is the way forward for anything like this, and and hopefully, I know it's. I'm maybe living in a dreamland, but that might be somewhere we head in the future. And I, I think you also made an excellent point about Mounier when. When I say Jonathan Kodju signed for Bristol City for two million, and he signed for Genoa for two million, it it shows you maybe the gulf of maybe sometimes they need to buckle down a little bit and command maybe that better fee if they can. But it's the world we live in, unfortunately. But with going from not a lot of money to a lot of money, we'll talk about Paris Saint Germain and their set for an interesting summer as always. But it's really time to look at what they what form they might take next season. The club will be desperate to challenge for the Champions League, having fallen at the quarter-final stage for the past two seasons. So, Philip, what holes do they need to fill to make that dream a reality next season? In terms of players, I'm not even sure they're going to be um, able to uh, uh, do do much about it. I mean, they did get rid of uh, of Levetsi. Uh, I think uh, I think Thiago Motta should have a lesser role in the squad, not as important, and uh, bring in, bring in uh, someone like Pogba. That would be superb, um, although probably slightly unrealistic. In terms of players coming in, I would like to have uh, to to see Buffal sign for sign for PSG. I think he's a real talent, and if he's taken on now, uh, in three years he will be absolutely world class. If he's not um, there yet, 
because he he, he is uh, that that goal he scored at uh, at Gazelec actually uh, was uh, was phenomenal and he is a he is a phenomenal talent. Um, not all not all that sight on um, on Ben Arfa's on the Ben Arfa rumours, um, which he did say he wasn't really a Paris a Paris man um, growing up, and there's also the the Marseille connection. Uh, like like I said before, I wouldn't get rid of Blanc. I think uh, that would be a uh, uh, it would be a mistake having no one uh, that is uh, that has the patience of going season after season, winning winning the league and so much. Um, in terms of strategy, I think it's important to say the, uh, the following: I think PSG are putting immense pressure on themselves. I think I think the I think QSI is um, is really saying we have to win the Champions League, and if we don't, our season is um, is uh, a failure. I don't see any other European club saying saying that. I don't see Real Madrid saying it. Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Juventus. Uh, the whole strategy uh, is. We're gonna we're gonna do our best and try to win as many, as many trophies as possible, which is what they are doing season in and season out. When I look at Juventus, uh, their season has been not great. You know, started the season horrifically. They did up winning uh, Serie A. I'm not quite sure what's what's happening with Coppa Italia. I don't know if they if they won it. Um, and uh, they got knocked out by Inter. Inter. Sorry. They knocked out by Inter. Oh. So yes, yeah, well, not exactly good news, um, but uh, and they got knocked out in the first knockout stage. But uh, they said, all right, well, we uh, okay, so uh, we lost in a in a Silavi kind of uh, kind of manner, and uh, I, I I just I just feel that Piaget are making are making life almost difficult for themselves uh, before other uh, other clubs uh, uh, while other clubs should be doing it. And I think it's not uh, it's not the right the right manner uh, to uh, to go on about it. I mean, Chelsea had the same uh, spirit, shall we say? And they um, uh, let's just say the Champions League win was uh, not expected a couple of months before. And since then, they haven't uh, won all that much. So my my biggest worry would not be uh, RPG going to win the Champions League one day. I I think they are. I mean, if you stay 50 years. And uh, are in the book in the quarterfinals. I mean, ultimately they will have some kind of of luck. But what you do after that, I think. I think the whole long-term solution is uh, that curious. I, I'm I'm afraid that they don't get, they don't get bored once they win the Champions League. I say, I say okay, I, okay, we're out. Um, I'm only half joking there, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I think uh, having a more having a more relaxed approach would help the whole place. And, and the league. I, I think I think our media is is very also very very harsh on on PSG, uh, much harsher than the than the British, and and probably as harsh as uh, Marco and El Pace in uh, in in Spain, where every single uh, aspect of a player, a, a member of staff, everything is being scrutinised by the press, which must be hard. Mm. If you're a player, especially. Eric. They weren't far away this season, and they were very impressive, especially in league game. But what are those little pieces they may need come the summer just to move them on to the next stage? Sure, I think you have to look at this team as having two deficiencies heading into next season. As it look, does look like Zlatan is out the door. Uh, one is, as Philip rightly said, defensive midfield. Uh, Tiago Mata. It looked good earlier in the season, but I, I think he's become a little bit worn down, and I, he's 34 this year. I think that. 
that needs to be replaced. I think there's a couple players that spring immediately to mind and I think could be had for uh, a reasonable price. Uh, one is Lasana Diara. I don't see that. I don't see him playing another season at Marseille, uh, given their given their situation. Uh, but I think someone who is French. I mean, PSG have shown a willingness to to go after French players as a as a way to uh, sort of foster goodwill uh, towards towards their local crowd. Not 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 the team being a you know a whole cavalcade of, of foreign players. The likes of Levin Kurzawa. Uh, is a good example of that. Uh, their continuing development about it in Rabio, Blaise Matuidi. Uh, so I think Lasagna Diarra could be a good option there. I think, uh, despite being a Lyon fan, I think Maxime Gonalon, uh is is of the quality necessary to do that. I think he's a very assured presence in front of a back four. He's not going to be the same sort of dynamic player going forward as Diarra would be, but I think he would do a good job at, at sweeping things up and allowing the likes of Arati. Uh, Rabio Pastore and Matuidi to get forward, uh, were the club to maintain this 4-3-3, which I think they should, as it as it fits most of the players. Um, so a defensive midfielder, those are two good options. Um, another player that's been mentioned in the past, but I, I don't think is up to it, is uh, uh, Carvalho of Sport of Sporting Club de Portugal. Uh, but a, a player, a player of that ilk, someone who has experience in the Champions League. Again, Diarra and Gonalons both do in spades, uh, and you know, is willing to do a job for a team and not be a superstar. Uh, along with that, uh, in the midfield, keeping the likes of Rabio and Pastore happy with game time. Uh, Blaise Matuidi's 29 this year. Uh, you know, probably can't, as we've shown, uh, be over be over relied upon. And I think that with the number of games and the potential for injury uh, for him and Verratti, uh, Rabio and Pastore should continue to get enough playing time. So that covers the midfield. Um, further forward. Uh, Obviously, uh, Ibrahimovic is on his way out. Cavani could be as well. Uh, they're going to need another center forward, or maybe two. Is that confirmed, though? Sorry? Is that confirmed? Zlatan is going. I, it's it looks likely. It's it's not been it's not been confirmed, but uh, right. the website this morning had a thing that Laurent Blanc is quote unquote aware of Zlatan's uh, wanting to, to wanting to leave. Uh, mm. So I think that there's a number of intriguing options here. Um, uh, we've talked in the past about Romelu Lukaku. I think that his movement, his passing ability, uh, and his and his air, and his aerial prowess make him a, a good fit. He's you know he's not as good of a free kick taker as, as Latan is, but I think that uh, in terms of his his qualities on the pitch, he offers a, a lot of the same things. And again, being a young player, he's still got plenty of time to develop. I think that he's shown this season in particular at Everton that he is able to take a team on his back. And you know with with the Presumptive wide players being the likes of Angel Di Maria and and Lucas Mora, I think that he's 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 ready to take a step up and, and lead this team forward. Uh, mm. Another another option and perhaps a little bit more intriguing, uh, Cristiano Cristiano Ronaldo has been consistently linked with PSG. And I think at this point in his career, being 31 years old, uh, it's perhaps time for him to transition to being a, into, in a center forward. I think that you know he's got players around him uh, at PSG, who are willing to be a supporting cast for him, and you know he doesn't have quite have the movement uh, that he used to have, but he's still you know a tremendous header of the ball, a tremendous goal scorer, has a great will to win, uh, and has shown on multiple occasions, again uh, the second leg against Wolfsburg, for example, that you know he he is still a very much a, a big game player, and I think that it would really be for him as an individual, and we know that we know his willingness to want to prove himself as an individual, 
for him to be the man uh, and lead PSG to a Champions League title would be sort of the perfect capstone to his career. So the potential of bringing in Ronaldo and moving him to center forward, uh, you know, maybe perhaps with Cavani going the other way or selling Cavani and using those funds towards Ronaldo, I think would make a lo- make a lot of sense. As for the rest of the team, uh, Maxwell is leaving. Uh, Luca Dean looks looks set to return from Roma, perhaps as cover um, in central defense. Um, I'd like them to hold on to Marquinhos, but uh, were they not able to do that, Presno Kimpembe is Kimpembe is continuing to develop, and I, I think that. You know, he should be afforded a little bit more playing time next season. Uh, I think they should keep Van Der Veel, uh, as cover for uh, Serge Aurier. And beyond that, I think, th- I think this team can really be set up well. You know, you've got a lot of really exciting players who are in, in the prime of their careers or entering the prime of their careers. Uh, I think uh, Lucas Mora is, has been, you know, underused and underrated. Uh, and to give him more of a role on the left... Uh, and and uh, to make him a, a bit more of a focal point of the season, I think they they should offload Cavani and uh, use that money to invest in the likes of a of a striker and a defensive midfielder. I don't think they they would get much of a fee for Mata if if indeed he is contracted for another year. Uh, I'm a little fuzzy on that, but yeah, continuing the same system, just just some slight tweaks to make the team a little bit younger. Um, I think they've been badly undone by injuries and suspensions uh, against Barcelona last year against Manchester City this year, this team really isn't that far away uh, from the champ- from uh, from winning the Champions League. It's just been down to a bit of bad luck the past couple of seasons uh, on the mm. whole. I do want to add, personally, two maybe slightly more budgeted options, for, ironically from the Premier League. For those defensive midfield options, I mean, there's two players that come to mind that have played really well this season in uh, one being a Frenchman in N'Golo and Kante, whether they could prize him from Leicester City is is a question, but I think he's an excellent reader of the game, as shown by the amount of the ridiculous amount of interceptions he's made this season. But with the amount of injuries that PSG have had in the midfield this season, it's feasible that he could even play as a replacement for Matuidi should they need it, if he needs to play forward. He's a good passer of the ball, good distributor, so even in a deeper position, he's a good form of that. And obviously, being French is an extra plus. Another player I thought of is um, someone who's really impressed a lot of people this season is uh, the Belgian Moussa Dembele at uh, at Tottenham. He's a very strong... I've, I've enjoyed watching him ever since he was at Fulham. He's a very strong ox of a player. He likes to manipulate the ball. He's a good tackler. He's it really gives away possession very easily because he's very clever on the ball and very good at holding off the opposition. And I think that kind of player, although yes, they're not the most, they're not going to sell box office tickets like someone like a Cristiano Ronaldo might, but they might just be the right kind of player that PSG need at this moment in time. But we've mentioned some of the players that should be brought in. Who needs to go this summer, Philip? Thiago Motta, uh, having Zlatan, and I wouldn't actually mind having selling Zlatan and Cavani. It wouldn't uh, make a lot of uh, room uh, on the wage bill and uh, up front. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, no, I don't see uh, some crying underperformers, if you will. I think Di Maria has to, uh, yeah, 
not uh, <laughs> not uh, I didn't have the same rating as uh, as you did against Manchester City. I thought he was terrible, and actually, I don't I don't think he's, his second half of the season has been uh, okay, but nothing like his first half of the season. Um, but uh, I think he needs he needs to take uh, the the reins from uh, from open play. I think him and Pastore having uh, the quality moments in those quality games will be the key. Um, no, I don't I don't really see past Thiago Motta, which I don't I don't actually want him to leave. I, I just don't want him to start the big games. He can stay. You know, I don't mind. Um, and maybe Slatan and Cavani. But you know, it's it's not it's it's really not uh, that big a deal uh, for. The club, it's it's what it's what you do with the players coming in. I mean, there there there, there is to me always, always has been a, a rather uh, scarce amount of wingers at the club, which is probably the, the main thing to main problem to be addressed. Finally, on this topic, Eric, I wanted to talk about. It's a crazy world at football, and it's weird to think that. PSG might struggle to hold on to some of their players, but you never quite know, especially with the, the might of the likes of a Barcelona or a Real Madrid. Who do they absolutely need to make sure they keep for next season? Two players that I've seen be linked with other clubs that I think they need to keep are, are Javier Pastore. He's been, he was linked with Liverpool this morning, I saw. Uh, I think his versatility is tremendous. Uh, he has you know, a, a sublime ability with the ball at his feet, he's also willing to get the work in. He's not the most accomplished tackler, but he is he is someone who's willing to do a job in multiple positions, um, will offer also offer a little, little bit of creative flair going forward. So, so his versatility and work rate, um, I, I think Pastore, and also Marquinhos. I mean, uh, this player continues to impress me. He's fa fairly mistake-free. He's still only 22 years old, 21 years old. I'm not sure when his birthday is, uh, but... Absolutely. I mean, this this player could be uh, the bedrock of their defense for the next, you know, ten to twelve years, and and to think that they that there's a possibility that he could go, um, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't not matter. You know, if say if Barca offered Luis Suarez in a swap deal, maybe you think about that. But no, that Marquinhos needs to be held on to uh, as well. Um, other players I haven't really seen much in 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 the in the way of of rumors away. So. Uh, but those two, I think they do need to, to keep, not only for their versatility, but for their willing to do a job and, and be team players, which I think is important on a team that's always going to have its superstars. You need players who are willing to do the grunt work, as it were. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And, and it's going to be very interesting this summer. I mean, the, to add to those, like you mentioned, Luca Dean coming back, having a solid season at Rome. He might he, he may want to go, but that might be an interesting situation Alphonse Ariola coming back might make it interesting in the goalkeeping department as well, but we shall see. We'll move on now to other things that might happen in that summer transfer window, and, and like every season before this one, a host of Liga stars have uh, eyes uh, on them from across Europe. Um, so with that in mind, we're going to have a quick look at some of the stars of the season and their best potential landing places. So we'll go through them all, and we'll ask you both that what you feel would be their best spot and a prediction of where you think they will be. We'll start with Marseille forward Michi Batshuayi, Philip. Where do you think he will end up? Liverpool. Uh, elaborate. <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I don't. I don't. No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't see uh, Manchester United buying um, uh, another uh, another centre forward. 
uh, this season. I uh, yeah, that's uh, that's basically uh, me being asked a question uh, on the dot, and I think uh, it would be it would be a good fit. It would be a good fit, and if he does leave, if he does leave, which I think he, which I think you know is is not definite. And I mean, uh, you know, if it were new owner, new money, better players, much better, much better um, cohesion, much better management, much uh, some some a bit of strategy thrown in. So it's it's more it's more me uh, actually uh, hoping that he doesn't leave this summer because I think a couple of more seasons in league will do him good because he is a, he he is a good quality league game player. But if he does go now, I do believe Liverpool will be. Not far. <laughs> Eric, what do you think for Mitchie? Um, I, I see two, two, two potential destinations, but they're both reliant on other players leaving. Uh, Everton, if Lukaku goes, and Chelsea, if, if Costa goes. I, I think that uh, his particular brand of physicality and aerial ability makes him a good fit for both those teams. Uh, Costa is rumored to want to go back to Atletico uh, if Atletico let go of Torres. Uh, that's something I could easily see happening. And, uh, you know, again, Everton is supposed to have more money for next season, but I can't really see them making a push for the Champions League. And Lukaku is absolutely uh, of that quality and, and should be should be looking to go somewhere else. So were he to go, I think a step up to Everton would, would make a lot of sense for him, given that uh, his his abilities are, are not that dissimilar uh, in terms of Lukaku, to Lukaku's, albeit with a little bit less technique than his fellow Belgian. Where would Toas go? That's another good question. <laughs> but uh, it, depending on, on uh, I think that Mitchell you make very good points that Liverpool's an interesting destination because they don't quite have that centre-forward position completely nailed down despite the players that they, they have. They do have Danny Ings. <laughs> which, which would be an interesting one to bring back as well. Yeah. And the Everton argument makes plenty of sense, um, like you say. Lukaku possibly leaving. I have absolutely zero idea where he may end up. Um, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, especially, again, it's reliant on a player leaving, but especially if Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang leaves Dortmund, I can see that quite feasibly being the kind of club that he would thrive at and a club that will be interested in his ability to lead the line with the players that he has around him, like Marco Royce, Henrik Mkhitaryan, those kind of players that will give him the chances that he needs. Um, we'll move on to uh, Alexandre Lacazette. He's been rumoured numerous times in the last couple of years um, of moving away. Philip, where do you think he will end up? Uh, can I say PSG? Of course you can. Okay, well, PSG. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once again, uh, I really um, don't... Uh, uh, not convinced 100% that he will leave. Uh, I think Fikir being back is uh, a major plus for Olas. Uh, it's uh, I think I think Lyon uh, have a very busy summer uh, in front of them, and I think Olas can convince Olas and Genesio can convince Lacazette to stay if they finish second. That is, but if they don't finish second, and even if they don't finish second, I think yeah, my gut feeling is that he's going to stay. And if he leaves, it's uh, it's PSG, and I don't really see him going aboard just yet. It's a really interesting point of view, especially if I'm trying to be miracle powers of Olas to convince him to stay, I think. But, Eric, where do you think is the best landing spot for him? Uh, I see two places. Um, I think Barcelona. I think that 
given his ability to play wide as well as centrally, he makes the perfect mm-hmm. Alexis Sanchez slash Pedro uh, fourth man, if you will, uh, able to play any of those three positions. Uh, you know, should Luis Enrique want to want to rotate the squad? Um, I also think that uh, for me, uh, Alexander Lacazette's always been the archetypal. Uh, uh, Jurgen Klopp player, I, I think that he'd do fantastically well leading the line at Liverpool. Uh, much like much like uh, we see uh, Aubameyang doing this season. Again, again, it's under Thomas Tuchel, but it's a team that's been built by Klopp. Uh, he's got that that uh, that mix of ability in terms of pace, heading heading the ball, uh, deft touch with both feet. I, I think that I think that he'd really fit in well with Liverpool. He's got you know minus his back issues earlier in the season, a fairly strong fitness record as well. Uh, which is something that the likes of Ings and and Daniel Sturridge don't have, um, and and he does he is more mobile, uh, you know, unlike the likes of a, a Christian Benteke, who's also had his own own injury issues, to be frank. And I'd much rather the later option. Uh, to to me, Barcelona is really not a place. I, I know Lacazette can play on the wing, but uh, to me, uh, Barcelona is not a place for a number nine, which I still think Lacazette is ultimately. Mm. We'll very quickly move on to the last two names I've got on the list. Uh, you mentioned Sophie Amberfall already, Philip. You think PSG is probably the best landing spot for him. So I will ask Eric, who do you think Sophie Amberfall should go to? I think he should stay. I think his maturity issues this season uh, are too much for a, a, a club at the top level to take a chance on him. I think he should have another full season in Ligue 1, uh, play as it looks like uh, in Europe with Lille, and, and just prove himself a little bit more. I, I don't think he's ready to take that step up personally. I think he's a wonderfully talented player with the ball at his feet, but I, I think he needs to prove himself uh, on an emotional level uh, to, to be a sound investment for a club uh, at a higher level. Philip, we'll, we'll finish on the final one, and that's Hatem Ben Arthur, who's been linked here, there, and everywhere because of his exploits at Nice. Where do you think he should end up? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> uh, again, uh, I just um, I don't know. I mean, I, I still I still ask Premiership fans, Newcastle fans as well. Um, would, would you take him back? And I said, yeah, he was he, he was probably one of the most talented players we've ever had. Well, not ever, but you know, very very talented. Uh, so I, I mean, I doubt he'd go back to to Newcastle. And I don't know. There's, there's this thing. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see him going back to to England. And, I don't, and uh, apart from that, I don't see him. I hope he won't go to a club like uh, in in some some. Uh, uh, I'm going to say little club in La Liga. But La Liga is a, is a perfectly good league. I hope he won't do an Otto Nimuni either. And um, no, I, I uh, uh, if if you guys see him in the Premiership. Uh, yeah, but uh, well, I don't. Basically, <laughs> so I have no idea. I really have no idea. And 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 yeah, I, I actually yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep be, being very very boring and dull there, and think uh, think he's probably going to stay for for another season. Eric, so sorry, investors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I actually think that Spain would be a good fit for him. Uh, Celta Viga, if they le- if they lose Nolito, will be wanting a replacement for him. Uh, a team like Villarreal can potentially offer Champions League football, and Villarreal are a fantastic team defensively, but could frankly use a little bit of a spark going forward. I think they, that uh, Ben Arfa would be great in that regard. Um, yeah, maybe... Or or, or maybe... 
Yeah, one of the, one of those teams. Sorry, something like that. A team that is in need of a fluid, creative attacking presence and can offer European football. It looks like Nice will get into the Europa League, but again, I think Ben Arfa is is better than that. And especially at this point in his career, being 29 in the summer, uh, he needs to look at at being, uh, you know, in the Champions League, uh, while he still has that talent. You see, you see, I, I see, uh, yeah, I, if it's going to be Spain, because I think, I think more Spain than England, it's going to be Spain, I, I'm thinking more so clubs like Villarreal, Seville, Valencia, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, Sevilla already have enough wingers. I, I, th- I think that Villarreal makes the most sense out of teams that are going to be, that are going to be in the Champions League next year. They've got a massive French contingent, though. Mm. It's an Couldn't interesting for him. Mm. But, you know, um, I mean... I will add one last curveball that I think he might go to, and that's staying in Liga, and it would go against their signing policy, but I think it would be a great idea, especially if they lose some of their players again this summer. I think Monaco would be a really good landing spot. Um, He would be possibly Champions League football on a regular basis. If they lose players like Bernardo Silva and such, he would be an ideal replacement because of his current form. And you've seen the effect he's had on the young players at Nice this season. I mean, look at the form of Cosiello and Alisson Player. They look completely different players. They try different things because he's on the field showing them what they can do. And I think he would be a superb signing for a club that wants to build a club around getting those young players and making them grow. That would be, I think, would be a really interesting signing. They must have a look at him, I think, in the summer. But We've already gone over time, so that's all we have for this week. My thanks to Eric and Philip, as always, and to everyone listening at home. Uh, We shall see you at the same time next week. Abianto and goodbye.